0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through New Beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. And if you could welcome our lead pastor, Joe Source. Hey, everybody. How are we doing tonight? Good. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. I feel like I want to prepare us for about two or three minutes before we actually get into this last part of this two-part series. Do we truly realize and understand what an awesome God that we have? I I don't know that we do. I, I think sometimes, especially if you've been in this thing for a long time, I think sometimes we, we start to take for granted or we start to assume things. Um, our God is an awesome God. And I'm not just picking it up from the old song. I'm just saying. Our God is an awesome, incredible, loving, all-powerful. I mean, look what he did tonight. Look, at, I mean, we're in worship and worshiping him as, we're, as our hearts are towards him. His heart is towards us. And to meet the needs of individuals that were here tonight that have been kind of suffering in their emotions and in their soul. I think that's an awesome thing. You know, what a personal God. What a compassionate God. What a loving Father that we have. And He always has our best interests at heart, even when we don't think so. He always has our best interests at heart. Even when we might go, be going through hardships. He always has our best interests at heart. He may not have caused that hardship, but he will use it so that when we come out on the other side, we come out with the gold. If I'm going to go through something, I don't know about you, but if I'm going and I know life is full of hardships, okay, it's just the way it is, and that's why we're talking about finishing strong, preparing ourselves to be able to bear under, bear up under the hardships of life. But if I'm going to go through hardships, I want to learn something. If I'm going to go through hardships, I want to come out on the other side knowing, you know what? It was hard. That was tough. But I'm different now. I've learned some things. There's something that got deposited in me while I was going through that hardship. Are you listening to me? I don't like to waste anything. I hate waste. And to me, to go through something, to go through some type of trial, to go through some type of tribulation, to go through some type of challenge... And to come up on the other side worse than when you went in, that's wasteful. That's wasteful. Um, it's like anything else. You know, we're always learning, hopefully anyway. We always have opportunities to learn. And so you're going to go through things. And I, I forget what conversation I was having with somebody. I don't remember who it was. A few days ago, they said, well, you know, it cost me this much to do this, that, and the other thing come through. And I said, well, you picked up an education. Education is not free you you know and sometimes you learn things through life that you there's no school for you to go to there's no no matter what tuition you're willing to pay there's there's nothing there for you sometimes you got to go through some things in order to learn some stuff so well yeah but it cost me so much so what now you got a degree in that in that situation now you can you picked up what it what it's what is needed for you to deal with that situation in somebody else's life And so we might as well get used to the fact that, look, even Jesus said, uh, you know, in this life, you're going to have tribulation. But he said, cheer up, be of good cheer. I've overcome it. And some of us want to say, well, I'm glad you overcame it, but I'm still going through it. But you see, when we're in him, when we're in him, then his battles become our victories. I don't think you got that. His battles become our victories. See, you think you're going through it alone. You're not going through it alone. He's right there with you. Right. And if, you, if you'll be aware of that, and this is something, man, I'm going to have to teach definitely in the coming year. The fact of being God inside-minded is so necessary, especially if we're going to finish strong. So uh, it is Saturday night, and um, I, I do have, I am tempted, to be honest with you, because there's no other service after this. So I am tempted to take as much time as I want. But I'll, I'll try to be good. I'll try. Now listen, we've got to finish this tonight. Because next weekend we've got a very special guest speaker that's going to be here. And I, you need to do whatever possible to make sure that you're here next weekend. Whether it's Saturday night or Sunday morning, both services. When we have Reverend Margie Florent here with us. A powerful, powerful woman of God. And, you know, we've known each other for many, many, many years. It's amazing the, the, the friendship and the relationship that God has placed between, you know, my wife and I and, and, and Margie, just incredible, incredible. We might not see each other for, for months or talk to each other for months, and all of a sudden she'll pick up the phone I'm going, were you like in our living room? How do you know what's going on right now? Just amazing. And so you need to be here. You need to make sure that you're in that type of atmosphere because God's going to use her mightily next weekend to minister to the people in this church. Amen? Amen? So we're in this series, two-part series. We're going to finish it tonight in Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen. We want to finish strong. Not just finish 2019 strong, but we want to finish every season of our life strong. We go through seasons. How many of you recognize you go through seasons in life? How many? The rest of you, I feel sorry for you because you're going to have to learn it the hard way. There are just like they are seasons in the natural there are seasons in the spirit. There are seasons of our souls. We Just just in natural life, you go through seasons. When you're, when you're a young person, you're in that season of being a young, a young teenager. And then, you know, the young teenagers can't wait till they're old enough to drive. And then so they go into another season of life when they get that license. And then you as parents go into another season of life because you think you had things to worry about before. And then they walk at you. How many remember when the first one walked out of your house for the first time to drive in the car by themselves? I don't think we interceded so strongly ever in our life praying. Okay, so you go through different seasons. You go through, some of you are in the season of being newlyweds, and some of you are heading into parenthood for the first time. You're going through a season. You want to finish every one of those seasons strong. We don't, want to be, we don't want to come out of a season weaker than we were when we went in it. Some of you were in the seasons, you know, your kids are now starting to go off to college. So you're starting to look at that empty nest syndrome, that empty nest season of life. You know, where you really don't know if you still want them there. And then when they're gone, you can't wait for them to come home. You know, that kind of There's always an adjustment. And so we want to finish strong. Amen? I cannot do a real extensive review from last week. Because last week, I only got to part number one. And there's five parts. Our teaching is based on a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Corinth, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. The Passion Translation puts it this way. Remember to stay alert and hold firmly to all that you believe. Be mighty and full of courage. Let love and kindness be the motivation behind all that you do. So what is it? Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything with love. And these five Weapons or five principles, we could say, will help us to finish strong. Amen. Number one, I'm going to go through real quick. You have to go back. If you were not here last weekend, go online, go to the archive page where all of our messages are, are there uh, every Wednesday night, and every Sunday, every weekend. And so please get, get filled up with that because it was just too much. It was too much. Stay alert. We, t- we covered last week. Understand that there's an enemy who is committed to resisting all your efforts to follow God's plan for your life. That that enemy is not a fairy tale. He is not a myth, but a real entity. He is intent on doing whatever is is necessary to take you out of God's will for your life. Amen? Amen? Let's get into number two. Number two, hold tight to what you believe. Hold tight to what you believe. Many of the churches that Paul wrote to we're coming under the attack of false teaching, especially the church at Thessalonica. The church at Thessalonica had a lot of wrong teaching and a lot of false teaching pertaining to the second coming of Christ. Not much has changed in 2,000 years. The same thing we find ourselves today is a, a lot of chatter, a lot of controversy, a lot of opinions, a lot of, you know, when he gets here, we'll finally have it all ironed out. Amen. Amen. This we know He's coming. And so many were falling for false teachers, and they were shipwrecking their lives. And Paul caught wind of it, and this is what he wrote, especially to the church at Thessalonica, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we've passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. So, in other words, Paul had sent emissaries, had sent representatives to these churches. Not only did he write letters to them, but he also sent people there with a personal message from him. Hold on to what you believe. Hold fast, hold tight. If I'm commanded to hold fast, hold tight, then that means there must be something trying to pry this out of my hands. We would not have to be told to hold firm and to hold on tight if there wasn't a force opposing us trying to take away from us that those fundamental beliefs. And we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit more before the end of the message. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, he wrote to the same group of people, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Now, I want you to look at me. If you're looking down, if you're occupied, I hope you stay off your phone because this is important. Look at me. You, as a believer, need to go try everything for yourself, test everything for yourself, go find out for yourself. It just goes, well, pastor said it. Forget about pastor said it. Pastor's a human being. Pastor can make a mistake. Any person can make a mistake. You have a responsibility to make sure that what you hear, either from this pulpit or on television or radio or online especially. Well, it must be true because it was online. Go find out for yourself what is actually being said. That is your responsibility. Don't take anybody's word for anything. You go find out. Don't be one of those people, well, your pastor said it, or this one said it, or, 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 or Joseph Prince said it, or Andrew Womack said it. They're human beings. They are capable of mistakes. Are you listening? Yes. So you need to go find out for yourself what the Bible says. Now, it's my honor and my privilege to present principles to you and, and to lead us through that and to maybe take us on a path that's going to bring us to an ultimate truth. But ultimately, you've got to go find out for yourself why. Because until it becomes yours in here, you will never be able to defend it. A defense of what my pastor said is not a defense. Because the enemy will always bombard you with thoughts about, what about this and what about that? Did you ever consider this? And what does it say this year? And then it says something else here in the Bible. You need to go become a student of the Word for yourself, and everybody said, "Because I, I know you don't like that." Now, Pastor, I, you know, I just rather I'd rather just come here and listen to you and let you do all the studying. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm going to study anyway, you know. But you know, when I come up here to minister, and honestly, any pastor, any teacher. It, I should be ministering to you out of the overflow that's in my life that's right. instead of just presenting a concept. Okay? So, so, so when, I, when I present something, I want to make sure that I've got it firmly implanted in my heart so that and I hold on to it. Okay? Because you know, I got to fight the same things you, you fight. I, I, I go, well, is it possible that this is true? Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to go in the Word, and I'll find two or three different places. The Bible gives us a principle way back in the Old Testament. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every fact be established. Yes. So you can... Well, well, I know in one place it says, no, one place ain't enough. You need to go find two or three places to back up what you claim you believe. I know you don't like that because it's work. But guess what? It's only when it becomes yours can that truth actually set you free? A lot of people, are, you know, you'll know the truth and the truth that sets you free. Honey, it's, it's the only the truth you know by experience that can set you free. Yes. Not just because you quote a scripture. Pastor, this is good. Uh, d- d- tell us some more, Pastor. This, um, I'll say it if you won't. This is good, Pastor. <laughs> this is awesome. Know what the Bible says and know what you believe. And one of the manifestations of the enemy that brings the most harm to God's people is deception, erroneous Bible teaching. Now, we have a a really great illustration in the natural, in in the secular world. The banking industry and law enforcement agencies that, that that are in charge of fighting counterfeit, they don't waste time studying the fakes. They spend their time studying the genuine. So that when the false shows up, they know right away, oh, no, 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 they'll be able to tell you there's these markings here or the type of paper or the threads that run through it or the type of ink or the shade of the color. is not. They study the genuine. Why? Because the false, they could be producing different fake currency on a continual basis. You go crazy trying to figure out every one of those. But if you study the true, if you study the genuine, then you will always be able to say, nah, it looks good, but it ain't real. That's right. You listening to me? Yeah. And, you know, and and let me explain something to you, because some of you may have been experiencing this and not realize what it is. Let's say you're sitting there watching TV and you might be watching Christian Network or something like that, and, and some teacher comes on, there, or you're in, the ra- you're in your car listening to the radio, or you read something online, or you watch a video online, and something on the inside starts to itch. Like, man, I don't know, this sounds good but there's something that's not sitting right. Guess what? That's the Holy Spirit in you going, eh, 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 eh. Don't override that. Now, you might not understand it all at that point in time. Go research it and go study it for yourself. And to make sure what that person is saying, the Bible says, actually says that. Amen? So, become an expert in the genuine. If you, know, if you and I have become students of the Word... We'll never be fooled, we'll never be deceived, no matter how close to the genuine looks. And, and, and it's not hard, because you have the Holy Spirit within you, and the Holy Spirit is predominantly our teacher. Teacher. A lot of us want the Holy Spirit to be predominantly a miracle worker. A lot of us want the Holy Spirit predominantly to just work absolute miracles in the gifts of the Spirit. But when Jesus introduced him first, he introduced him as Jesus. the teacher. And so make sure that you, you are a pupil. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful. Study the real. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Then you'll be able to spot the counterfeit. Follow after proven teachers who have solid results to point to. Beware of the fads. I love when somebody comes to me and goes, and they, you know, Pastor, I was watching this guy on, on the internet, on YouTube. And who's this person? Because today anybody could put a video on YouTube. We, we attach significance, especially those of us that, that are a little bit older. Because we're still <laughs> awed by the fact that you can go on your computer and watch a video from anybody. But the younger generations, it, it's not a big deal to them. So so we some of us, some of us, well, I might conclude, well, this guy's on YouTube, he's got his own YouTube channel. He must know what he's talking about. And some of the stuff that gets shared to me, I stand there and go, you need me to tell you what's wrong with what this person's teaching? It's just so so obvious. Okay, become a student, please. Because we are being bombarded constantly with information. Constantly. And and then if you know, well, let me not even get into that. Just don't be tricked into starting to debate things. Just stick with the genuine. Stick with the truth. Stick with the real. Stick with what you know, that you know, that the Bible is saying what you believe it says. Are you catching this? Beware of being one of those type of people that wants your ears tickled all the time. Or you want to pick up some new revelation so you can argue with everybody else in your in your in your sphere of influence in your your network of people, like the young people say your tribe. <laughs> I won't do that. I will not debate, I will not argue. When a person says to me, well, well, good, okay. So you believe that? That's fine. God bless you. Doesn't mean I gotta believe it. And if a person doesn't want to hear the truth. The Bible tells us to depart from the presence of a fool. That's it. Uh, You know, we only got so many cells, And I got a lot of them occupied already. I got file cabinets full. I don't have room for that foolishness. Because let me tell you something. You might think it's a joke, but sometimes that stuff that you thought you blew off Will come back to haunt you in the years to come in thoughts. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe that really wasn't what the Bible said. And usually, when that stuff happens, it's always taken out of context. Make sure you read the scriptures in context. Always read who they're written to, to what time frame do they pertain to. Okay? The biggest way that a lot of Christians and believers get in trouble is they try to take something from the Old Testament and make it fit into the New Testament. That's how cults start. You listening to me? I'm not up here just, just yeah. flapping my gums because i got nothing else to do. That is how cults begin, by taking certain things out of context, either overemphasizing them or underemphasizing them. Keep, keep yourself in the context, amen? And you'll finish strong. Beware of those fads, the new revelations. Did you hear the latest? Now I'm still studying the ones that I, I, I'm working on before. I don't need to hear the latest. Amen? 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Why am I spending so much time in this? Because that stuff will drain you, and you will not be able to finish strong. If you're going to spend the rest of your life debating and spend the rest of your life arguing and spend the rest of your life back and forth on certain teachings and certain doctrines, you are not going to have the strength that you need to live everyday life. Amen. Yes. Second Peter chapter two verse one. But false prophets also arose among the people. Just says there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their sensuality. Sensuality, that's a key thing to false teaching. Sensuality, a lot of touchy-feely, a lot of flash, a lot of, you know what I'm saying? A lot of personality and less scripture. Beware of that. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. Matthew 7, beware of false prophets for they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Hold on to what you believe. But first, you've got to know what you believe. Study the basics. Study the fundamentals. Amen. amen. You are not the same. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Number three, trust God. And we're talking about what? Finishing strong. Trust God despite your circumstances. Finishing strong requires more trust in God and less trust in me. If you're going to finish strong, you're going to have to stop relying on yourself and relying on your own willpower, relying on your intellect, relying on your ability, relying on your past experiences, and develop trust in God. The more you believe and trust... Here, I'm going to give you a quote from Rick Warren. The more you believe and trust God, the more limitless your possibilities become for your family, your career, and your life. Philippians chapter 4. This is an extremely important portion of Scripture here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation so it'll be easier to understand. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He has done. Verse 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, leave that scripture up there for a little bit. Go back to verse 6. What's the instruction we receive here? Don't worry about anything. Instead what? Because if, if you can't just tell somebody, don't worry about it. Okay, what am I supposed to do instead of worrying? There has to be a substitute. You can't leave a void. Otherwise, two seconds later, you're going to go back to worrying. worrying. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Now, just stop there for a minute before we go to verse 7. Let's be honest with each other, completely open and honest with each other. Whenever you are faced with a challenge anywhere, in whatever facet of life, what are we really looking for? We say we're looking for an answer, but what we're really looking for is peace. Yes or no? I mean, the biblical definition of peace, wholeness, being intact, not missing anything, not having anything broken. All right? So now go to verse 7. Then you will experience God's what? Peace. Peace. And look at the type of peace it is, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now look at me for a second. Do you want, verse 7... Let's read it again, I want to make sure you want, you want it. Then you will experience God's what? Peace, peace. which exceeds anything you can understand. understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Do you want verse 7? Yes. Then you have to do verse 6. Go back to verse 6. You can't have verse 7 without verse 6. And you're never going to finish strong, because finishing strong is found in verse 7. How you get there is found in verse 6. Amen? Because if you're the type of person that you're always worrying, always worrying, and you even worry because you forgot you don't have something to worry about, so now you get worried. Some people worry about not having anything to worry about, okay? So, so don't worry. Instead, do what? Pray about what? Everything. And please don't be one of those people. You know, you, you sound so religious. Well, you know, I don't want to bother God with the little things. Oh, come on. Get off of it. He's God. He's God. Do verse 6 so that you can obtain verse 7. And listen, you got to trust him. Why? Because trust always precedes peace. You can never have peace without having trust. I want you to say that with me. Trust always precedes peace. What does it mean to precede? It goes before. So you might want peace, but you have to let go of your worries. You're going to have to let go of your misgivings. You're going to have to let go of distrust. You're going to have to trust God in order to experience peace. We got that down? Okay, good, good. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with a little bit of your heart. Hold on to some of those things. Don't release everything to him. Now, what does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do what? And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Finish and strong. Trust God. trust. Trusting God is a sure way to get clear direction in the midst of crazy circumstances. Trust God. Trust God. Moses, watch. Moses is standing at the Red Sea. He's right at the shore. He stops because the circumstance looked impossible. But he looked to God, and God said to him, what's in your hand? I would have went, and your point is? (laughs) Because in the natural, it made no sense. What is a staff going to do in the face of a very large body of water. It's a stick. So went like, all right, so what do I do now? Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Oh, okay, just like that. What did it take? Let me tell you something. One of the greatest moments of trust that Moses ever demonstrated was when he went like this with the staff in his hand. Because it made absolutely no sense that me taking that staff and raising it over my head and raising one hand up is going to make a difference. Sometimes it's the tiny little things that God's asking you to do. That requires the the greatest amount of trust. And you know the story. They went across on dry ground. Charles Stanley, great Bible teacher. This is what he said. I have complete confidence that God is able to take care of any situation and provide an answer to any question or problem. He has all, this is good. He has all the resources of the universe to draw upon in helping each of us through any type of crisis if we will trust him. Would you agree that his resources are much greater than our resources are? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So when we learn to trust God, no matter what challenge, look, what it looks like, we're always going to finish strong. Number four, depend on God's grace in your weakness. Depend on God's grace in your weakness. I don't really think that the church, in, in, in general, has a real, true, biblical understanding of grace. There's been a lot of bad teaching that's happened in the past 10 years on the subject of grace, a lot of it, and a lot of it's led a lot of people astray. A lot of this bad teaching on grace has given a lot of people false peace. Grace, scripturally speaking, is God's power coming upon an individual to enable that person to do something that in the natural is impossible. We like the secondary definition of grace, of God not giving us what we deserve. We like that. We like that. Okay? We like God gracing us in the sense of, because, you know, God knows my heart. I'm only human. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to sin. I'm going to do that and the other thing. Yeah, that's true. But that's not the primary reason for God's grace to exist in our lives. I am up here right now, preaching. I am the senior pastor of this church. I am the, if you want to put it, the CEO of this organization, completely by the grace of God. In the natural, I got no business standing up here. It's only by the grace of God. Now, you and I can finish strong in every circumstance if we will learn to depend on the grace of God. There is not a service that I can think of in probably the past 15 years that I have not, before coming up to preach, prayed a simple prayer. Father, by faith, I receive your grace for this service. I'm not going to be able to do anything on my own. If your grace doesn't show up, nobody's life is going to get changed. Are you listening to me? This is scary. And what you've been doing for how many years? No, it doesn't. No, the scary doesn't go away. And I honestly, I thank God the scary doesn't go away. Because as long as there's that little bit of that, you will yield to God and rely on God and depend on God to an extent that you never would if you thought, I got this. The most dangerous thing that can happen to us in any capacity is to think, I got this. Why? Because circumstances are constantly changing. Am I the only one? Are not circumstances in your life constantly changing? Did you, did you have the week that you anticipated last Monday? No, what? Tuesday morning, something showed up. Wednesday night, something else showed up. By Friday morning, you wished it was already next Monday. <laughs> yeah. The circumstances of life are constantly changing and shifting. You're constantly getting hit with things that you didn't see coming. You're constantly realizing things. God's constantly opening your eyes up to things that you didn't see before. And so if you, if you get up on a Monday morning and you go, I got this, man, I got this week. Oh, my God. Probably by Wednesday afternoon, you're going to be calling the office for prayer. (laughs) You have limited resources. We operate at a deficit. We're not functioning in the complete capacity that God created us in. That's just a fact because sin came into this world and depleted mankind. See, see, The arrogant intellectual facet of our society has this arrogant pride that that man is getting better and better and better and better and better. I mean, look at all the developments in science and look at all this and look at all that. We're degenerating. I swear, I had somebody come to me years ago and tell me, you know, those chemtrails up there? They're really, you know, they're spraying chemicals all over the country and make people stupid. You know, I laughed at that 10 years ago. Drive around town tomorrow. (laughs) Go to the mall. (laughs) Call someone in a position of authority in the government, and you go, oh my God, they got hit with the chemtrails. You know what I'm talking about. Let me tell you something. Acknowledging our human weaknesses and frailties because of the fact that we're human. I mean, I wouldn't go around glorifying it, but the fact is, I know my limitations. I know my areas of weakness. When I say weakness, I'm talking more like ignorance, lack of education, lack of experience, lack of life experience. And that, that should cause us to become more and more dependent on God's grace. God's grace is an empowerment. Stop treating God's grace only like a Band-Aid. Huh, you know, hey, I know I messed up, but you know what? I'm under God's grace. No, you missed it. Because if you had believed God for his grace to empower you, you wouldn't have fell to begin with. And you wouldn't need to be running for a Band-Aid because his empowerment would have put you in a position to receive supernatural strength to overcome that temptation or receive supernatural strength to be able to step into a function that you've never done before, never heard about, don't know how to do it. But you come out on the other side like, wow, that had to be God. Are you listening to me? He is the creator. He holds it all together. If we rely on him, then the unlimited resources of who he is becomes available to us. Yes or no? All right, good. I'm going to wrap this up. Number five. In everything, demonstrate God's love. Let me put it to you this way. There is an expectation on the part of God that since his love is in us, that everything we do should spring forth from that foundation. It should all come from the foundation of God in us. His spirit having been poured out into us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, now we come full circle back to the original scripture in 1 Corinthians 16, 14. In the Passion Translation, it says, let love and kindness be the motivation behind all you do. If we study Paul's letters to the people in Corinth, where we're drawing this foundational scripture from, we see that he had to deal with a lot of major issues. He had to correct how they were taking communion. He had to correct them in the area of sexual immorality. He had to correct them and them using the gifts of the Spirit, the miraculous activity of the Holy Spirit, in a wrong way. But we also see him dealing with them in love. Amen. This may have caused him to expect them to do the same with each other and with the lost because they lived in the most sinful city in the Roman Empire. Corinth was the Las Vegas of the Roman Empire God expects us to do everything and treat everyone with the same firm but patient love that he has for us Paul, if you read his letters, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians I hope that you do you're going to see the reason he wrote these letters was to bring correction but he doesn't bring correction to them to the point where they despair and want to give up and throw in the towel and walk away He deals with them firmly, but he deals with them in love. Why? Because love always wants the best for the other person. Can I wrap it up this way? Let me ask you this question. Are you living your life for the benefit of somebody else or are you living your life for the benefit of how it's going to affect you? Don't, Don't answer it. Don't answer it because I think many of us, if not all of us, at some point, all of us, at some point in our lives, at some place in our lives, are going to discover. Man, this has been all about me. This has been about, yeah, I may do this for you, but I'm I'm expecting something in return. That's why he says, you're not going to finish strong if you don't do everything from that kind of love. You talking about God's kind of love. God's kind of love. You realize that God gained nothing out of this whole deal except us? just just gave everything and is continuously giving everything and constantly giving of himself and constantly enduring and constantly putting up with us and constantly patient and constantly. How are we doing things? From what foundation? By what motivation? What is the incentive? I have to question myself a lot. Why do I, am I doing this? What am I looking for? And when I identify that, okay, how do I kill that so it doesn't show up the next time? And I don't know if, if you, you realize, it's a hard thing. How many realize it's a hard thing? Because you know what? It's like looking in the mirror and going, I thought I got rid of this. I didn't think I had that anymore. And here it is, it popped up again. And we're not going to finish strong if we don't get that part of our lives down. I mean, really, really solid. Why? Because faith operates from love. And if we're not really walking in love, how are we going to walk in faith? Know that you have an enemy. Hold on to what you believe and make sure you go find out what what you're supposed to believe. Trust God no matter how bad it looks. Rely on God's grace instead of your limited ability. And then finally do everything from the force of love that is already in you. And it's in there. It's in there. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word.